You know, we were just singing the song about redeemed. It reminded me of that story where this preacher was walking along and he seen a young man. He had an old birdcage and he had a bunch of sparrows he had found. And he, he asked that young boy, he goes, what are you going to do with those birds? He goes, well, I'm just going to take them out here and probably kill them. They're just some worthless old sparrows I found. And the preacher said, well, how much you let me buy them from you? And that, that, that little boy said, you don't want these little sparrows. They're not worth anything. They're, they're just filled sparrows. They're, they're worthless. You sure you want to buy them? The preacher says, yeah, let, let me buy those sparrows from you. And I'll, as a matter of fact, he goes, I'll buy the whole cage from you. So that boy gave the boy like $5. This is back in the 50s. And that boy took that $5 like it was gold. He, he couldn't believe that preacher was willing to, to, to buy those old worthless birds from him. that was in that old rusty old cage. And that preacher took those birds and he said that when I, he couldn't stand to think those birds were going to be destroyed and killed. So he took, those, he took that cage and he opened up that cage and he flew that cage open. He said those birds took, out, took off and he said as those birds took off I could hear them tweeting, redeemed, redeemed. That's what Jesus did for us. We were, in, we were in a prison, we were no hope, uh, the devil had us caged up, and Jesus comes along, and we're worthless, and Jesus buys us, and we get out, and that's why we can sing, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed how? By the blood of the Lamb. Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe there's never been a time that you've put your personal faith in Jesus Christ, we're going to give you an opportunity in a few minutes as we close up with these church services. We'll have an invitation, and we have an invitation every church service. Uh, every Sunday morning, we, we give an invitation. It's not necessarily an invitation to come down and join the church or to get baptized. It's an invitation to get saved. It's an invitation to invite you to Jesus Christ. I'm not preaching a Jesus Christ that's a philosophy. I'm not preaching a Jesus Christ that, uh, that was dead, that's in dead, that's in a grave. I'm not preaching a Jesus Christ that you don't know. I'm preaching a risen Savior. I'm preaching the man, Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of the world. And if you come down, if you pray and ask Him to save you, He hears you and He will save you. How do you know, preacher? I know because He saved me. Oh, rotten sinner like me, He saved me. And once I put my faith in Jesus Christ... It's never been the same. Jesus Christ says you must be born again. And I pray and ask and you this morning, if you don't know you're born again and you don't know of a time you've took Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, I'm going to tell you, you're among friends right now. Everybody in here, we're friendly, amen. I've seen a lot of people shaking hands. I don't see anybody that has knives out or guns or anything like that. We're all friendly in here. So if you want to make a decision for Jesus Christ, I can't think of a better place to do it than right here. Among friends. Because you know what? Everybody in this room is going to be happy for you if you want to make that decision. And then you know what? The Lord, will do, the Lord will save you. He's wanting to save you. And I know that the time is short. I don't know how much more time we have left. There was somebody we were talking about in Sunday school that they said, Jesus is coming back in April. Now how she knows that, I have no idea why she thinks that. I, I have some reasons why I think she might think that. But she's convinced that Jesus is coming back in April. So you know what her solution is? She's going to max all her credit cards out. <laughs> That's a true story. She says, I'm maxing all my credit cards out because Jesus is coming back in April. When, what happens if Jesus don't come back in April? I don't know. That reminds me of, I went to this, uh, y'all know the Terralites, right? Some of y'all know, okay, so they're real strong there in bangs. I went to this Terralite funeral, and that Terralite preacher was up there preaching, and he's preaching about this brother, and he goes, he, he, he went to a rent-a-center place, and he rented a couch, 
and he, they took the couch home, and he couldn't make the payments, and he said they come, and the devil come and took back his couch. And he says, when he gets to heaven, that couch is going to be waiting for that brother up in heaven. And the whole time I'm sitting out there thinking, the devil didn't come get the couch. The people come and repo the couch. If you don't pay for, your, if you don't pay for the couch, they come take your couch. That has nothing to do with the devil. That has to do with you not paying your... I'm maxing out my credit cards. And then, oh, the devil's come after me. You know, yeah, well, you shouldn't have maxed out your credit cards. Yeah. All right, that's another sermon for another day. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Hebrews chapter 11, if you're following with me, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one right in front of you in the pew if you want to follow along. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, by faith. This whole chapter is a chapter of the faith. It's a faith chapter. And Hebrews was written by Paul, and he wrote this chapter about the faith that men had and women had all through the centuries and how we need to have faith in Jesus Christ. So verse 8, by faith, Abraham... When he was called to go out into a place which he should have after received for an inheritance, he obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. He didn't know where he was going. God just called Abraham and says, I'm calling you to a land. Called Abraham out of the land that Abraham was living in. And Abraham, by faith, just believed God. And he started following God out. Just went on that journey. Verse 9. By faith, he sojourned. Sojourn means a temporary stay. He's just journeying around, going place to face. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles. That would be, we'd call tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same process, promise. Isaac and Jacob did the same thing. They just wandered around in tents. They'd pitch a tent here and live for a while, and then they'd take that tent down and go pinch over. They never had a permanent dwelling place. Here on this earth, when you read through the Old Testament. But look at verse 10. For he, talking about Abraham, he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I want to preach this morning on marching to Zion, the great heavenly city of Zion. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. I thank you, Lord God, for loving us before we loved you, Lord. I pray, Father, as we open up your book this morning, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will lead God, direct us into all truth, Lord. I, Father, I do pray you hide me behind the cross, Lord, as I preach your word, Lord God. I pray you give me the words to preach. It be your words and your preaching, Lord. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, as we look at this heavenly city, Lord, you'll make it real to us, Lord. you help us to understand, Lord, that it is real. It's a real place, Lord God, that has a direction and has a location. And, Lord, I pray, Father, that there's somebody... Underneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know if they're going to heaven or not, Lord, as we give them the invitation, they'll make a decision to come on down the aisle. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray, amen. Marching to Zion, we're marching to Zion. Just by faith, we're marching to Zion to a heavenly city. Just like Abraham didn't, wasn't looking for a city that was built by hands by, on earth, we here as Christians, we're not looking for a city you can find here on earth. We're looking for a heavenly city. A city that's not made by hands of man, but made by hands of God. It's a march, and it's a march of faith to a heavenly city. Notice verse uh, 9, by faith he sojourned. It's by faith we're marching to this heavenly city. It's by faith we're marching to this heavenly city. None of us in here have seen heaven. None of us in here have seen heaven. None of, us in, none, of us, none of us in here have physically know exactly where heaven is. Now we can point up and we can point to the North Star and we say heaven's going that direction, but none of us know physically how to get there. None of us can Google map heaven, amen? 
and say, okay, Google map, take me here. None of us can do that. But faith, we believe in heaven, amen. By faith, we know that there's a heaven. And that's where we're marching. We're marching to heaven by faith. It's a march. It's a journey. Brothers and sisters, this world here is not our home. This is not our home. We're just sojourners here. We're just pilgrims here. We're just marching through, trying to find another place. And this place is up above us. This place is called heaven. This is not our home. And as Christians, we need to always keep our mindset on that and realize, hey, we're marching and we're doing this march for Jesus Christ and we're marching to Zion. It doesn't have anything to do with Washington, D.C. or any other place in the world. We're here just passing through, trying to wait to get to heaven. If you're a Christian in here this morning and you don't understand that concept, you're probably a miserable Christian. If you think that, that Jesus Christ is for this earth right here, Paul says you're a miserable Christian. You're, Paul says you're a, a man most miserable because Jesus Christ isn't for this lifetime here. He's for the lifetime to come. Jesus Christ is for eternal life. Hey, I'm not trying to run you away from Jesus Christ, but I can't promise you a rose garden if you come to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ isn't, you know, I'm not telling you, hey, if you come down and take Jesus Christ, everything in life's going to get better. No, as a matter of fact, it might get worse. I just had a, a, a young sister in the Lord talking to me this morning, talking about how when she accepted Christ, she had all kinds of problems with her family that she wouldn't have had if she didn't have Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is for eternal life. Jesus Christ is for the time to come. I, for, for my birthday, I, I, uh, my holiday, my birthday weekend, I went down to Fredericksburg and I wanted to go through the Nimitz Museum because I'm really, I've been reading a whole lot about Japan and Hiroshima and the bombing and I wanted to, and of course the movie Oppenheimer came out, so a lot of this stuff's on my mind and we get down to the museum and we go through that whole museum and they have that, that part of the museum closed off. If you want to know what Kigan Hall's life is, that's my life right there. It's like, this is what I want to do for my birthday. I spend all this money. I rent a hotel. I go down. I go to, and I get to the end, and it's like I walk around the corner, and it says closed for remodel. I'm like, ah! Are you kidding me? And we walk out there, and they say, you can watch this little video. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'll watch the video. It's like a minute long. And then it's like over, and I'm like, I want my money back. I want my money back. But during that process, we got to looking at Nimitz. Because it's a Pacific War Museum, but it's, it's Nimitz. Uh, Admiral Nimitz was born there in Fredericksburg. He's the one that was the leader of the Pacific War campaign against Japan. And so he was real instrumental, and that's what that whole museum's about. Well, Nimitz, you go through there, and it talks all this good stuff about Nimitz and how he was and who he was. But you know what happens? It doesn't tell at the end of his life. You get to the end of Nimitz's life. It don't, it don't say nothing what happened. It's just like, oh, he was a good guy, and that's it. And you're like, you walk out the door, it's like, what happened with Nimitz? Well, what happened with Nimitz is he was a devout atheist. He didn't care about God. He didn't have anything to do with God. And him and his wife were getting older in years, and they were, getting, they were in their 80s, and they were, their health was declining, so they both took some pills and killed each other. They don't tell you that at the Nimitz Museum. That part of it's closed off, too, I guess, you know. It's under remodel. Jesus Christ isn't for this life. He's for the life to come. And if you're living this life without Jesus Christ, you're miserable. And if you're living this life without, with Jesus Christ, thinking he's for this life, you're miserable. 
Uh, Ray Comfort has a great illustration. He says that when people take Jesus Christ, they're flying in an airplane. And it's this, he gives this illustration. Like you're flying in an airplane and somebody comes along and they say, uh, here, take, take this parachute. And they put on the parachute and they're, they're sitting in the plane and they've got the parachute on the back and it's kind of uncomfortable. And they say, hey, you're going to need this parachute. And they take the parachute and they're in the plane and they're flying along and it's uncomfortable. And they look around and nobody else is wearing a parachute. And I don't know, it gets kind of embarrassing and people are pointing at them laughing because they got a parachute on, on their back. And they're like, what, what are you doing? And it's like, well, you know, and so you, you're eventually you're just going to take this parachute off. That's like a type of Jesus Christ. You tell people, hey, take Jesus Christ and life will be good. But if you come along somebody in an airplane and say, hey, you're going to need this parachute. This plane is going to crash and it's going to burn. And you're going to need this parachute to, sa to be saved. And if you, can have, if you have this parachute, you'll be saved. Man, if somebody gives you that parachute knowing all that, it don't matter how many people are laughing or joking or making fun of you, you're not going to get rid of that parachute. You're going to cling on to it for dear life. That's why Jesus Christ is so important to me. Because I need Jesus Christ where I'm going to hell. Jesus Christ is to keep me out of hell and to give me a place called heaven. And that's where we're marching. Like Abraham, we're marching. We're marching, marching, marching. You know, the world has their million-man march. They do their marches. They march up to, to Washington, D.C., and they, they have all these reasons to march. We have a reason to march. We have a reason to march. It's a march for Jesus. And as we march, as we march for Jesus, we should be taking that, bearing that precious seed of the gospel. Well, like Johnny Appleseed would do, we should be casting out that seed everywhere we go as we march to our heavenly, heavenly home. You know, the world, they kind of sing songs. I just heard it. Yesterday, I heard a song over the speakers. Heaven is a place on earth. That's how the world, the world likes to think that heaven is a place on earth. Well, heaven isn't a place on earth. Amen. If, if this is heaven to you, I feel really, really sad for you. You know, I preached about John Lennon last Sunday a little bit and told you a little bit about John Lennon's attitude about Christianity and about Jesus Christ. And one of the songs that John Lennon had was a song called Imagine. Imagine. And in that song, Imagine, John Lennon is quote. This is what the song, in that song, Imagine, he says, Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us, only sky. Imagine. Yeah, imagine. You imagine. That's imaginary, John. That's what you want. I mean, you really, really wish that it, what, there was no heaven. You really, really wish that there was no hell that we were going to be judged for. You really, really wish that. But that doesn't do you any good. The truth's the truth. And Jesus Christ said, the truth shall make you free. The world's always looking for Shangri-La. And uh, they always have these little places they're looking for, these imaginary places. You know, uh, the Game of Thrones, the movie, the uh, TV series, the Game of Thrones, a nasty TV series came out. It was written by a guy named George R.R. R. Martin. He wrote that uh, TV series. He wrote the books that the TV series is based on. And here's a quote from George R.R. R. Martin. This is what George R.R. R. Martin said. He said, There's something, something old and true in fantasy that, specials, that speaks to something deep within us. He said, Fantasy speaks deep within us. To the child who dreamt that one day he would hunt the forest of the night and feast beneath the hollow hills. He said, This is what he went on to say, And find a love to last forever. That speaks to everybody, George Martin says, to find a love that lasts forever. Well, I found a love that lasts forever. It's in Jesus Christ. I found a love that lasts forever. It's in Jesus Christ. And I think that, that, I think that drives the world crazy. Say, you know I love a man more than I love my wife? 
That man's name is Jesus Christ. I love a man more than I love my wife, and that man's name is Jesus Christ. Boy, he's getting quiet in here. Y'all don't love the Lord? After all he did for you? I love the Lord for what he did for me. My wife wants me to love the Lord Jesus more than I love her. Because if I love the Lord Jesus more than I love her, I'm going to be a lot better husband for her. Man, whew, got some strange feelings in this church this morning. I'm not telling anything that's not true. He said on, George Martin went on to say, somewhere south of Oz and north of Shangri-La. He's talking about some fantasy place. Look what George, listen, but listen, listen, guys. George Martin closed this out by saying, they, they can keep their heaven. When I die, I'd sooner go to Middle Earth, which is uh, like off the Lord of the Rings type stuff. That's George Martin. He goes, they can keep their heaven. That's how they feel about things. See, they got their city. They got their little imaginary cities. Ours isn't imaginary. Ours is real. And there's everybody in this church, most everybody in this church is saved to say, I believe in heaven, I know heaven's real. But you've never seen it, but I'm marching there. You've never seen it, but I'm marching there how? You're marching there by faith. Amen. Some of y'all need to have faith. Some of y'all should be ashamed. Call yourself a Christian, you don't have faith, you're going to heaven? I've had an 18-year-old boy about to die tell me he believed in heaven. He's about to die telling me how I'm not worried. I know I'm going to heaven. I'm worried about my friends. I'm worried about my cousins. I'm not worried about heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. That's an 18-year-old man. He has more guts than some 50-year-old man I know. Amen, amen. Man, I'm hitting hard this morning or something. It's weird. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know. It's amazing to see how ungodly people feel about an imaginary place that they've never seen. And then when we think of a place and tell them about a place called heaven, they're like, oh, that's just in your head. Yeah, it's by faith. We're marching like Abraham, amen, verse 8, verse 9. By faith he sojourned. By faith Christians are looking for heaven. Are you looking for heaven? Are you marching to heaven? Are you sitting still? Keep on marching, brothers and sisters. Keep on marching. That's where we're marching to heaven. Okay, we're in Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse 16. If you're with me still, look at Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse 16. Let's look at another part of this city. We journey to a city that's prepared by God. But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly where God is not ashamed to be called their God for he hath prepared for them a city. Praise God. This is not a city that's prepared by man. And I'm thankful for that. This is a city prepared by the hands of God. Man would mess it up. Amen? Man would mess it up. Uh, hey, listen, man would mess it up. When you see man design something, it's usually ugly. Everything you see man do, it's straight lines. Straight lines. Everything you see God's handprint on is a curve to it. It's a curve to it. Have you ever noticed that? Go out in nature. You'll have a hard time finding something straight-lined in nature. 
Everything has curves to it. But go out and look at everything. Everything man makes. It's got to be straight. It's got to be straight through there. God, man has a hard time. He has a hard time when, he try, he, when he, he's trying to design something. He always tries to make it straight. When God's hand prints on it, it's curved. It's got, it's got appeal to it. It's curved. Man's, man, man takes something, he straight lines everything. God, God takes something, he curves it up. He makes it pretty. We have a, we're looking for a city that's designed by God, that's prepared by God. He's not ashamed to be called their God. You go into a city that's got a God that's looking for you. I like what Jesus Christ said in John chapter 14. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. We're not just going looking for a city that has a little tent sitting there. God has got a house, got a mansion waiting for you in heaven. I can't wait. I can't wait to get to heaven. All my loved ones are in heaven. All my family, most of my family's in heaven right now. Thank God they're saved and they're waiting for me in heaven. A lot of church members in this church have been here going on about 18 years. They're all in heaven. A lot of them are in, a lot of a lot of my church members are gone. Over 18 years, I've seen I've buried a lot of church members, and a lot of them are up in heaven, and a lot of them are waiting for me, believe it or not. They want to see me again, and I want to see them again. Amen. Man, if you've never been to a funeral of a, of a saved person, you're missing out. We just buried Mrs. Adams. Praise God. Her body's in the ground, but her soul is way gone up into heaven. She's ten times, she's a million times better than everybody in this room right now. Oh, I feel so sorry for her. Why do you feel sorry for her? She made it. Feel sorry for us. We're still stuck down here. She's praising God. She's having the time of her life. We're down here still paying taxes. We're still down here looking at the politics. We're still down here. We're dealing with everything we're dealing with. A bad back, a hurt knee, headaches, sore aches, cancers. She's free. She's like that bird set from that cage. She's redeemed. And now her body's redeemed. She's gone. She's gone to a place called heaven. And as she lived this life, I gave the testimony at the funeral. She lived this life. She lived a life believing in heaven. And talking about heaven. Talking about Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And Jesus Christ said to his disciples, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, that you may be also. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. If you're with me, look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. Praise God, we're living in a, we're living in a, a we've got a, a, a Bible, we've got the, the Word of God, and we're living by faith, marching towards the city. Verse 13, these all died in faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. Abraham, Isaac, Sarah, Jacob, uh, Isaac, all of them died not receiving the promises. Just like you're, if the Lord don't come back, you're going to die not receiving a promise. Mrs. Adams, she passed away. She hadn't received the promise, but by faith she believed in it. Even though she hadn't received it, she but by faith lived it and believed it, and, and she received it, but she hadn't, she hadn't received it physically with her eyes. These all died in faith, having not received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Seen them afar off. Can you see it? Can you see heaven? 
Can you see it afar off? You know, the Lord says you can see it. You might not see it, see it, but you can see it. Paul says in Corinthians, he says, but it is as, that is, as it is written, this is what Paul said in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, listen to this. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. You haven't seen it. Your eyes never seen it, not on this earth. Your ears never heard about it. You can't comprehend it, what God's got in store for you, Christian. But the very next verse, Paul says something very interesting. He says, verse 10, he says, But, but, but God hath revealed it to them unto us by his Spirit. You haven't seen it. You might not be able to describe it. Your ears might have never heard it. But brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit in you is a witness saying it's coming. I can see it just right over that hill. I can see the glow of the city. It's like you're driving in this dark range and you're driving, you're driving down the road and you see the glow of the city. You say, I don't know how far I am from that city, I, but I can see the glow of the city. I haven't seen the lights, but I can see the glow of the city. That's every Christian in here. We can see that glow of the heavenly city and that's where we're marching to. That's where we're going. Down on this earth, we're going to leave this earth. And we're marching for that heavenly city prepared by the hands of God. And it says there, and we're persuaded of them. I've never seen it afar off, but we're persuaded it's true. I'm persuaded it's true. And embrace them. And I embrace it. I embrace heaven. I embrace the idea of heaven. I embrace uh, what God's told me about heaven. I'm persuaded about heaven. I embrace it and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. See all that stuff in there? Seen, persuaded, embraced, confessed. It's what every Christian in here needs. To have that heavenly mindset that, hey, I'm marching to Zion. I'm just marching through this earth. For they, verse 14, for they that su say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. That's a lot of Christians. They, get, they take their eyes off Jesus. They take their eyes off of heaven. They take their eyes off eternal life. And they start looking back at going back to Egypt. They start looking at going back to the world. Some of them even go back to the world and try to live out in the world, and they find out they're miserable and they're unhappy. And they're like, why am I so miserable, Pastor? Why am I so unhappy? Because you're not thinking of heaven. You're thinking of this world right now. Everything you see with your eyes right now is going to pass away. It's going up. It's going to burn up everything. Every nice mansion, every nice car, everything you see is going to burn up. Everybody's body's going to burn up. All flesh going to burn up. It's all gone. It's all going to go. And we need to keep that in mind. Verse 16, But now they desire a better country that is unheavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed because they're God, for he hath prepared for them, prepared for them a city. You know, another thing I want to point out about God when he prepares this city, what this city is going to be like, and we got some ideas that there's going to be streets of gold and some stuff like that in Revelation, but one of the things I know that God says in Isaiah 5, he says, Woe unto them that build house to house. Woe unto them that build house to house. I can promise you up in heaven our mansions are going to be spread far apart because good fences make good neighbors. That's what the Bible says. That's why nobody wants to live in the slums. With their house to house. Some of y'all get it, some of y'all don't. 
I know my house is going to be very spread apart because some of y'all, I don't want to be, even in heaven, I don't know if I want to live next to you, praise God. <laughs> but I don't know. So, I'm just shooting truth at you, amen. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm just shooting truth at you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. That's what's wrong. Nobody wants to tell the truth. Everybody's too nice nowadays. Oh, I love you. You don't love me. You just kind of like me. Oh, I love you. You don't love me. You just kind of like me. That's okay, though, because I don't necessarily love you. Let's just get along while we can, you know. Love your enemies, right? Amen. Love your enemies. Just do the best we can. Do the best we can. Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 18. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. For ye are not coming to the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor into blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice that they heard and treated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. He's referring to whenever God came down to the mount when the Ten Commandments were given and Moses and Israel, they mar marched out to Mount Sinai and when, that, when God came down, that mount came a fire and there was smoke and it was trembling and the Bible said if anybody comes near, you stick them with the spear, stick them with the dart, they should be even an animal, kill it. They can't come near, they can't touch this mountain. And that's what he's saying, this is not what we're going, that's not what we're marching to, a place like that. Verse 20, for they could not endure that which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it should be stoned or thrust through with a dart, which is just what I mentioned. Verse 21, and so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. That's not where we're marching to, but that's where Israel was marching to. But look at verse 22, but ye, that's Christians, are coming to Mount Zion, that's where we're marching to Mount Zion. Unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Third thing I want to point out about this city, I want to point out that it's got amazing citizens. That's what makes a good city. Amazing citizens. One of the citizens there is God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And to an innumerable, look, innumerable, you can't count them, company of angels. This is a city with God. As a citizen. This is a city with angels as your next door neighbors. Look at verse 23. 23. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn. It's got church as church people as citizens, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. What makes this place amazing is it's got good citizens. What makes a place bad is bad citizens. And I just kind of hinted around about that, but that's the truth, right? Man, you can have, what makes a neighborhood is good neighbors, and what makes a bad neighborhood is bad neighbors. My wife and I lived this for years. We had some, we, we, we had a house right next to us, so it was a rent house, and man, we had some of the worst people you can imagine living next to us. It was horrible. And then Brother Raul come pulling up one day, and I saw him jump out, and here's this Spanish guy with long uh, hair down to here, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to Tijuana music all night long now. That's what I imagine. And they're going to be drinking, and there's going to be loud Tijuana music, and ha, 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 and all that all night long. And I'm, oh, no. And I got to talking to him, and he's a Christian. He doesn't drink. But he still plays his music really loud. Amen. <laughs> I wish Brother Raul was here. He comes and visits every once in a while. He still plays his music really loud. He loves to play his music, and you have it in his ears, and I hear somebody out there going, 
I'm, I tell Kathy, what is that? And I walk up there, and Brother Roll will be working out in his yard singing at the top of his lungs. I can't hear the music in his ear, but he'll be singing, ha, ha, just singing along. Good neighbor. Man, God blessed me with a great neighbor. It makes for a great neighborhood. Come home, and he's mowed my grass. What kind of neighbor is that? That's a good neighbor. Come home, and he leaves a watermelon on my front porch. That's a good neighbor. <laughs> he's a better neighbor than I am to him, amen? But the truth is, a good neighbor makes a good, it makes me love to come home knowing I have a good neighbor. And we're going to a city, we're marching to a city that has God as your neighbor. It has angels as your neighbors. It has the rest of the church people as your neighbors. And verse 24, look at verse 24. And to Jesus, the best neighbor a man can have, Jesus Christ. This is a city that has God, has Jesus, has the whole assembly of angels. See, what makes, makes it fun is uh, Roll and I will get out there and we'll get to talking about old times and he'll be telling me some stories about boxing and some, some stuff that he does. And man, I love to hear that. And, and I love to talk to my neighbor about that. I love that. I can't wait to talk to Noah. Say, Noah, what was it like when you're there and you're bringing in those animals? When they were like, what was it like? I want to talk to Elijah. Man, what was it like when the fire... I want to talk to these great people of God. What really happened there? Ask Jesus some questions. I've always wanted to know, what's the answer to this? What's the answer to that? I want to talk to Jesus about that. He's my neighbor. We're marching to a city that's got good citizens. Verse 24, and to Jesus. What makes him so special? He's the mediator of the New Covenant. The New Testament. The grace saved by grace, that new covenant. And to the blood, and we sang about it, right? Redeemed by the blood. We just got through singing about it. And to the blood of sprinkling. What's so special about Jesus' blood? That speaketh better things than that of Abel. That blood of Jesus speaketh better things than that of Abel. What's Abel's blood speak? Well, Abel was a brother of Cain, and Cain and Abel, Adam, that Adam's sons, Cain and Abel went out and Cain got mad at Abel, was jealous of Abel, so Cain got Abel out in the field and picked up a stone and killed Abel. And when he killed Abel, he left him out in the field. God comes along and says, where's your brother Abel? God knows where Abel is. You know what Cain says? Am I my brother's keeper? That's a real good neighbor, right? That's family neighbors right there. <laughs> Kills you if they don't like you. You know what God said? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. See, Abel's blood, you know what Abel's blood cried out? Vengeance, vengeance, avenge me. He murdered me. Kill him, avenge me, avenge me. That's what Abel's blood cries out. But the blood of Jesus Christ, it cries out better things. Jesus hung on the cross. As he hung on the cross and his blood was being shed, Jesus Christ, your Savior, said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The blood of Jesus Christ cries out, Forgive them! Forgive them! Woo! It cries out better things. That's your neighbor up in heaven. That's why I'm marching to heaven. Because that's who I want to see. I want to see Jesus. I want to see loved ones that have gone before me. I want to see the church. I want to see angels. I want to see God, the Father. I want to see all these great citizens. And that place is only in one place, the heavenly Jerusalem. 
the new city, Zion, Zion. Look at Hebrews chapter 13 in closing. Hebrews chapter 13 in closing, and I'm closing up. Hebrews chapter 13. You know, if you don't like the citizenship of heaven, and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you're going to go to hell. I don't take any pleasure in saying that. It doesn't bring me any pleasure to say that you're going to go to hell, but that's just the Bible. That's just the truth. And we need to hear the truth. You know who your neighbors are going to be in hell? Hitler. Charles Manson. Murderers. Rapists. Child molesters. Thieves. That's who your neighbors are going to be. That's, that's, that's the citizenship of hell. The devil. The devil. That's the citizenship of hell. Man, come on. Come with me. Come march with me to heaven. It's a better march. It's a better destination. It's a better citizenship. It's a better way. Streets paved with gold. Mansions that aren't door to door, house to house, wall to wall. We're talking about a beautiful place. Describe it to me. Man, I can't describe it to you. That's about the best I can do. But I can tell you what, the citizenship is going to be a lot better. Amen. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12 in closing. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify, set apart for holiness for a purpose, sanctify the people with his own blood. There's the blood of Jesus again. That's why we sing about the blood of Jesus. Suffered, look at how did Jesus suffer without the gate? So you got to remember that Jesus, they kicked him out of Jerusalem. The, heaven, the, the earthly Jerusalem, they, wouldn't, they, they kicked him out without the gate. He doesn't belong there. They kicked him out without the gate. Verse 13, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. Jesus isn't in this earthly Jerusalem. Jesus isn't in the world city. Jesus isn't hanging down here at the world. They kicked him out. They don't want him in there. The, the, the world doesn't want Jesus Christ around. Y'all know that? They don't like to hear his name. They don't want you to talk about him as your Lord and Savior. They don't like Jesus. They want to kick him out. You don't belong in this city, Jesus. And if Jesus doesn't belong in this city, neither do you. If Jesus isn't welcome in this city, neither am I. This shouldn't be a hard concept, amen? You got somebody you love on this earth? A son, a daughter, a family friend? What if you went over there and said, hey, you know your son? Yeah, yeah, my son. He isn't welcome here. Well, you know what? If my son's not welcome here, I'm not welcome here. I'm out of here. Jesus isn't welcome in this city. Jesus isn't welcome in this world. And that's what Paul's trying to tell you. He, was, he suffered without the gate. Let's, verse 13, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, outside of the camp, outside of Jerusalem, bearing his reproach. It's a reproach. Jesus Christ was crucified. It's a cross. Jesus Christ said, follow me, pick up your cross daily, and follow me. To follow Jesus Christ is a reproach. It's, that, that, it's, it's like I told you, it's not a rose garden. But look at verse 14. 
For here we have, here, right now, brothers, right now, on this earth, we have we no continuing city. But we seek one to come. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't speak for everybody's politics in here, and I'm not, I'm not going to, amen, but. I know when I look up at what's going on in Washington, and I'll tell you the truth, when I see what's going on down in Austin, it makes me mad. I get all stirred up and upset and everything. That's not my problem. That's not your problem. That's their city. I don't belong here. I'm just a passing through. They put so much, oh, we gotta, we gotta vote the right person in. We gotta vote the wrong person out. We gotta do this. We gotta, you gotta, we gotta, we gotta make sure the vote's here and we gotta make sure. Stop worrying about it. The devil's running all of this anyway. We're just a sojourning through. We're just a marching through. This is, we're just pilgrims on a way going to heaven. This is not our home. They kicked Jesus out a long time ago out of Washington. They kicked him out a long time ago. What are you so worried about Washington for? Let them make their million-man marches to Washington. Let them get all stirred up. Let them lose sleep at night of who's going to get voted in and who's going to get voted out. Don't worry about it, Christian. Just keep on marching for Zion. Keep on marching for heaven. Don't worry about it. But we do, don't we? He's not welcome and we're not welcome. It's not, our, it's not his city and it shouldn't be our city. This is not Jesus' world. This shouldn't be our world. The greatest trick, one of, the greatest trick that the devil plays on you is he mixes us all together. And he has you believing that we're all marching to the same place. And it appears it's happening that way. It appears that Christians are mingled together, Muslims and Catholics and, and Mormons and uh, atheists. And everybody's together. We're all marching together. We're all voting for the same thing. We're all, we're all marching. We're all for world peace. We're all for, and we're all together, but we're not meant to be together. And Jesus Christ said at the end, he's going to take the sheep, and I pray that you're a sheep in here, a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. He said he was going to take his sheep, he's going to put them on the right. And the goats, those that are going to, 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 to the goats going to hell, the goats, says he's going to put them on the left. And they're going to a place prepared for the devil and his angels called hell. So the devil's got the world trick, he's got some Christians tricked into believing that we're all marching to the same place. But there's coming a crossroads in the there's come we're coming up to a crossroads, brothers and sisters. We're coming to this crossroads. And some of us are going to the right, some of us are going to go to the left. That at that crossroads is death. And when you come to that crossroad of death, when you take your last breath, you're either going to go up to heaven or you're going to go down to hell. And that's going to be your eternal citizenship. It isn't going to be on this earth. There's no Shangri-La or heaven on earth or middle earth or any other. Imagine the place that has no heaven. Imagine a place that has no hell. Listen, when you take that last breath, <gasps> that's, the, that's when the crossroads meet. And you're going to either be carried up to heaven, to the heavenly city, an amazing citizenship, and a mansion waiting for you, or you'll be drugged down into hell. It's one of two. 
See, a Muslim was talking to a Christian one time, and a Muslim's like, you need to come to Muhammad. You need to come to Muhammad. You need to come over to Muhammad. And the Christian said, I don't need to go to Muhammad. I got Jesus Christ. Well, you need to go to Muhammad. And the Christian got tired of it and said, listen to me. I'm walking down a road, and I come to a crossroads. And the Muslim says, okay. I come to this crossroads. There's a man that's dead there, and there's a man that's living there. Who do I ask for the directions on the right way? And the Muslim said, well, of course, the one that's alive. He said, well, then why are you sending me to somebody who's dead, Muhammad, when Jesus Christ is alive. It's a simple decision. Heaven or hell. Mount Zion or a devil's hell.